Hey, this is Pastor Michael Petit from Calvary Chapel, Divine, Texas. Would really like to thank you for taking time to check out our podcast, our Sunday sermons, and our Wednesday night Bible studies. You can always share this, download it, or even find it on Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, SoundCloud, and pretty much wherever you can find a podcast. You can also find out about our church service times. We have our Sunday service at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night Bible study at 7 p.m. We're located in the Market Media Building. It's located at 203 East College Avenue, Sweet C in Divine, Texas. Plus, if you need to get any other information from the church, you can do all of this at our church website at calvarydivine.org. That's calvarydivine.org. Here's today's teaching. And Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41. Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41. Um, we are in... Uh, the end of the chapter now before we dive into this this is this is a dangerous thing because even if you don't know God you know the scripture of the storm you know the disciples in the storm on the boat crying out to God you know and so most people even followers this is a scripture that everybody's very familiar with Um, and those are the dangerous the most dangerous scriptures because you think there's nothing you can learn from them. I've already learned everything off of this. Now, I am not gonna spend a lot of time giving you a bunch of storm analogies today. There are four questions that are being asked in these scriptures. And those are four questions that you have to answer for yourself. And, And that's really what I'm asking for as we go into this, as we understand that every time we open the word of God, we're hearing from the Lord. And we're wanting to hear something new, right? And so something that we may think we know, man, sometimes that's when you open up the scripture and you go, man, I didn't even, I I read that last year. I don't even remember that. But that's God speaking. That's the Holy Spirit. And so let's go ahead and dive into it in verse 35. It says, on that day when evening had, had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. Leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat just as he was and the others uh, and other boats were with him and a great windstorm arose and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling but he was in the stern asleep on the cushion they woke him and said to him teacher do you not care that we are perishing he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea peace be still And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for today. We do pray uh, as we get into the scripture that these four questions, that we would be able to answer them in our hearts. Uh, There are many people that are afraid of many things today. And they're looking to the world to try to solve their problems, and it can't be solved by the world. Um, we find peace in you. And, and I pray. I, I know that there, you know, we've heard it said before, there are three types of, of, of things that we'll be going through. You're either going into a storm, you're, you're in the middle of a storm, or you're coming out of the storm. And so wherever you're at, as we come together in prayer, I just ask, Lord, that you just continue to, keep, continue to keep speaking to them in the storm, in the middle of the storm, out of the storm, or the beginning of the storm. I just ask, Lord, that you just continue to show us application, what we can learn from your word. Uh, 
you know, each of us uh, just over the past week, if I think about it, these past few weeks has been through some type of storm. Everybody goes through them, whether you're a believer or not. And uh, we can find joy in Christ when we're going through it. And so I pray, Lord, you know the hearts here. You know uh, what needs to be done. And, and I just pray, Lord, for, for softening, for us to be able to come before you and, and just hear from you. Uh, we pray for the marriages and the families. Uh, we thank you for the new face in James. Lord, we thank you and just pray for him. Uh, and we just ask, Father God, you'd be with the kids, that they would be learning the Word of God as well as they're in there learning Scripture with Gloria. We just pray for them as well. Uh, we thank you and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All righty. Um, I entitled this, Why Are You So Afraid? Have You Still No Faith? Now that comes directly from Jesus, okay? Those are two of the questions that are being asked. And so as we look at this, we're gonna look at it in three parts. In verses 35 through 38, we'll look at the disciples' question in the storm. In verses 39 through 40, Jesus answers and then questions. And then finally in verses 41, uh, we'll see the disciples begin to question each other. Uh, as we looked at this, uh, one of the things that we do need to look at is, is this is a culmination of a day. So this is the end of the day of ministry. This goes all the way back to where his parents, when his mom came, and they were worried about him not eating. He did the parables last week, and the parables, you know, as we looked at the parables last week, this is all the same day. So those three parables, and the parable of the sower, same day. And so this is one of the things that Mark really tries to emphasize is that the ministry that Jesus did, he poured out every day. I mean, he poured out every day. And, and it's uh, one of those things that, that he's tired. Fully God, fully man, he gets tired just like we do. He needs to eat just like we do, right? And so these four questions are going to be asked in this. And, and, and honestly, I think one of the things that, that I think people struggle with is, is they, they, they try to, a lot of times when they're going through something, first question they ask is, why, God, why are you doing this to me? And we're going to learn that there are times when, yeah, you're in disobedience. And God is going to, to try to get your attention, just like he did Jonah. But there are times when we're in complete obedience and God uses that for testing, for growth. And, and so you got to understand that. And so it, it's, it, whether you're a believer in Christ or you're a non-believer, you're going to go through storms in life. You're not, you're not getting out of that. Okay? Well, just go ahead and just let's, let's deal with that. But the thing is, is you have Christ. Those of you that are followers, there should be joy in the storm. And that's where we're struggling a lot for a lot, of, a lot of believers we've seen over the last year and a half. It's like we have a great chance to be a witness for Christ, and, and we need to wake up to, to understand that. But one of the things I want to read to you is what, what, uh, what Peter wrote in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as something strange were happening to you. Okay? So first off, when you're going through something, shouldn't seem strange. This is part of life, okay? 
And, and, and the, the key to that is, like, who do you go to? That's, that's the question, right? And so that's, that's where a lot of people tend to, they'll run to a bottle. Uh, they'll run to an addiction of pornography. They'll run to gaming. Sometimes they'll just lose themselves in playing games. Sometimes it'll be uh, going back to the bar and, and to the clubs and stuff. It's whatever. But they don't want to deal with the problems. And so these questions that we see, it's like we have, we have Christ. And, and one of the things is, even if you don't know Christ, you have Christ. You can have Christ. He's there. Okay? And so the first thing we see is the disciples questioning the storm. In verses 35, it says, On that day when evening had come, he had said to them, Let us go across to the other side. So again, a long day of ministry. Uh, the Jesus, he's fully exhausted at this point. And he's in the boat, and he tells the disciples, hey, y'all got to get in the boat. We're going. But I, one of the things that, that people kind of skim over at times is that it says, let us go across to the other side. Right? Jesus said, let us go across to the other side. So are they going to drown in the middle of the lake? No. He told them they're going to get to the other side. That's important. Okay? It's very important because sometimes we miss stuff in Scripture as we're reading it, and it's like you're going to make it to the other side. You're in that storm right now. You're in the storm. You're going to get to the other side of that storm. You just need to hang on. It says, And leaving the crowd, they took him uh, with them in the boat, just as he was, and the other boats were with him. And so... Jesus is already in the boat, and he tells his disciples to do what? Get in the boat. They were obedient. They got in the boat, right? They're listening to, to Jesus. There is also a fleet of boats that are going to follow him. Now, Jesus' boat, believe it or not, they actually found a boat in 1986 in uh, Galilee, in the Sea of Galilee, uh, buried in the mud. And the boat was about 26.5 feet, 7.5 feet wide, and four and a half feet deep. Now, why am I giving you this? Because I want you to be able to picture yourself in the boat. Okay? This boat was found, and it was dated, same dates as Jesus. So we know this is an accurate description of a boat. How many people fit in the boat? About 15. There's a stern on the boat. This is where Jesus is going to go to sleep. An elevated stern. And so, you know, anybody that, that tries to say that the Bible's not real, or these things can't, you know, can't be found, this was found in 1986. It dated all the way back to the time of Jesus. So they knew that there were really bad uh, storms that would hit the Sea of Galilee, and we'll talk about that. One of the things that I love is before they got in the boat, in the book of uh, Matthew, the Synoptic Gospel, which is just, again, another camera angle, you have Matthew, Mark, and, and Luke. And, and Matthew's description of it, it says, and he, he actually asked them to count the cost of discipleship before they got in the boat, right? So he says, now when Jesus saw the crowd around him, he gave orders to go over to the other side in Matthew chapter 8, verse 18. And the scribe came up and said to him, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes, and birds of air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. So he's basically telling you, you may not have a place to live. Tonight, my house is on the boat. 
Okay? And so he tells them that. And then another one comes up to him, another disciple says uh, to him in verse 21, let, let me first go bury my father. And Jesus said to him, follow me and leave the dead to bury their own dead. Now, I've, I've taught this before. One of the things you have to understand is, was his father dead? No. Two things either was happening here. One, he wanted his inheritance. And he knew that if he was going to follow Jesus, he would be disowned. So he's going to hang around until Pops dies, and then he'll get his money. Right? And so it sounds very cold-hearted, but Jesus is like, look, if you're going to follow me, today's the time you follow me. It's, it, you don't put this off, because you're not promised tomorrow. And then he tells him in verse 23, and when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. So he was telling them, look, you need to count the cost of following me. These guys have had a full day of ministry, and you can imagine they're ready to get on the boat too because they have to deal with the crowd. They have to worry about Jesus's, even though he doesn't need to be secured or, or have safety, but they have to make sure that things are, are, are in place that Jesus needs. And they've been doing this. We, we've gone through, you know, till chapter 4. We've seen day after day of ministry, long days of ministry from, from early morning till late night. And so you can imagine they're probably ready to get on the boat and kind of just unwind themselves. How many of us do that at night? Like, just everybody, let me have my time, right? And, but, but they get on the boat, and what happens in verse 37? A great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. Now, uh, one of the things that we know is that if you ever go to the Sea of Galilee, you can read this and, and find out about it, you can just think of it like a cereal bowl, okay? That's the lake. The lake is, is surrounded by mountains. And then it dips down. It's 150 feet deep. So they get storms in the summertime. And the worst storms come in the wintertime when the cold fronts come in. If anybody's been in Fort Bliss by that mountain, when those storms come in, you get 50, 60 mile an hour winds. And it'll knock anything over. So, again, why am I giving you this? I want to give you a picture. The waves are about five to six feet on a lake. Five to six feet on a lake. Now, experienced fishermen in the boat. Right? Experienced fishermen in the boat. And yet, the, uh, this wasn't your typical storm. Because they had, they, had, uh, they already knew that the, the waves were were crashing into the boat, but they also knew that the, it was filling the boat with water. It would just be a matter of time before they sunk. And it's not like they had pumps back then. Right? Yeah, anybody who's, has anybody been on, Wayne, you've been on the water? Anybody been on the water when there's a storm? It is, y'all have, it is the scariest thing that you'll ever go through. I've been in a little sailboat. No wind for some reason the way we needed to go. So we had to use a little tiny motor in a sailboat. We used to go 45 miles out or 45 minutes out to, uh, to one of the outer banks near the Isle of Palms in Charleston, South Carolina to go fishing. And there was a place for us to swim and stuff. My dad would go out there. And beautiful day when we went out. When we were coming back, 
storms. And I'm, I'm talking lightning hit the water, thunder, uh, and, and the boat is just knocking around. It's the scariest thing. I just wanted to get back to land. Matter of fact, I haven't been in a boat since. I think I, we went to Fort, Sh to Fort Sumter, and I was like, just get me off the boat. It started raining again. I was like, I need to get off the boat. And I didn't want to be in a boat again. It's scary. So you can imagine, one of the things, I'm, the reason why I'm saying this to you is I want you to understand it's so easy for us to go, why are the disciples scared they have Jesus? Don't do that. Don't you do that. They're human, just like you are. Okay? They have humanity just like you do, and they question just like you do. Okay? That's, that's one of the things in Scripture that we need to be very, very careful with. They're just starting ministry and getting to know who Jesus is. Okay? So now the storm, the storm is happening. Uh, in verse 38 it says, But he was in the stern asleep on the cushion. So the stern is actually in the back of the boat. They'd have a stove there because sometimes they would stay overnight to fish. And, and so they also had these pillows that the rowers would use because sometimes there'd be no wind on the lake. And they'd have to row to the other side or row back. And so he was asleep using one of those pillows. And he's asleep on the stern. And they woke him and said to him, and this is the first question, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Do you not care that we are perishing? Very important. Jesus is what? Asleep. Tired. Fully God. Fully man. He gets hungry. He gets tired. Right? But he's without sin. He's the perfect Lamb of God. Now, some of y'all have probably been through something in your life where a trial or a testing or a, a suffering or, or some kind of storm that you have gone through and you probably asked that question, do you not care? God, do you not care what I'm going through? I have. I've asked that question. Now, I wasn't following Christ this time. I'm asking a God that I'm not even following. I'm asking him, hey, do you not care? And it's like, you're not even, you're not even, you don't belong to me yet. You're an enemy. You're, you're at war with me. Because if you don't follow Christ, you're at war with Christ. You belong to the world. But what happens is we'll cry out. And, and, and it's, I, I want to tell you, even as a believer, you may go through something that is so horrific, horrifying or horrific where you actually ask this question. Do you not care? The thing is, is you have to actually be able to answer the question, does Jesus care? And that's a question that I, I'm going to give you some scriptures but it doesn't matter. It, you have to believe it here. You have to. It, it, he asked, do you not care that, that we're perishing from the disciples? And then we see uh, just some verses here that, that shows that Jesus does. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 17 through 18. It says, Therefore he had made it like his brother in every respect, made him like his brother in every respect, that he might be merciful and a faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, 
He is able to help those who are being tempted. Propitiation, meaning you're guilty. And yet God took his sin, took your sin upon him on the cross. That's what propitiation is. It's, it's saying, hey, look, you're in the boat, but you're not in the boat. The followers of Christ are in the boat. You're outside the boat drowning, and Christ is trying to throw you a life preserver, and you won't take it. He's trying to save your life because if you are found guilty of sin, one sin, off to hell you go. I know that's a harsh way of saying it, but you will have eternal life, but it'll be in hell where there'll be gnashing of teeth, You'll be begging for water. It's, it's a, and it's crazy when you start reading about it. You know what I love about this? Because he is for propitiation. It's a fancy word. Uh, that he took, our, he took our, our guilt upon himself. But you know what I love? Is he's a high priest who understands what you're going through. And, and what I mean by that is, don't, you know, I, and women can attest to this. Do you want a doctor who's a male to deliver your baby, or do you want a female? You would want a female because she understands what it is to give birth. She actually knows the pain. A doctor who's a male can read about it, right? He can tell you all the symptoms and things that you're going to go through, but he has no idea what you're going to feel. She does. And, and so we have, we have a high priest that can truly empathize with what we're going through. And, and, and can help you overcome your sin. Can help you overcome your circumstances. You did mine. It took me 39 years to figure this out. John 16, 33, again, he cares. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Christ has overcome the world. Does it really matter what's happening right now? I can find peace in Christ. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, and yet without sin. So Jesus understands. He's the faithful high priest. He can relate. He understands what it is to be tempted. He understands what it is to go through hardship and suffering. And yet he's not like us, because he didn't sin. He's the perfect, perfect Lamb of God. See, humanity is what we see is humanity is what the disciples are going through. They, they have to answer that question, does God, does Jesus care? And, and don't get me wrong, this is why I wanted to, to share that about the humanity of the disciples. Is we see it in Psalm all the time. In Psalm 44, verse 23, it says, Awake, why are you sleeping, O Lord? Rouse yourself, do not reject us forever. That was a cry. Again, in Psalm 10:1, Why, O Lord, do you stand far away? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? Now, do you understand what the apostles or the disciples are going through? 
They're crying out like everybody else did in the Psalms. Right? And so we've asked that question before, but can you imagine, like, if you're his child, he cared for you when you weren't his child. How much more will he care for you now? You're his sons and daughters. If you belong to him. But yet he cared for you when you weren't. In John 3.16 it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. God cared so much he gave up his son. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9 says, The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. He doesn't want to see anyone perish. He doesn't want... Hell wasn't created for you. It was created for the devil and the demons. It's not created for you. You don't have to go. Here's a few scriptures if you're in the storm today. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7 says, Casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Does he care? Yeah. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. He understands the storms, the tribulations, the sufferings that you're going through. But he's saying, look, the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, you can have that that guards your heart and mind because you have Christ Jesus. And then one of my favorite verses, I was struggling trying to find this because this is the verse that got me through a really tough storm and that was Isaiah chapter 41 verse uh, 10 and I would tell you if you, you could pray this verse Isaiah 41 verse 10 fear not for I am with you be not dismayed for I am your God I will strengthen you I will help you I will uphold you with my righteous right hand Isaiah 41 10 now Jesus is going to answer back, but he's going to, Jesus answers, then he's going to question, right? And he awoke and rebuked in verse 39 uh, the, and, and said to the sea, peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. Remember, this is the Son of God, right? John 20 verse 31 says, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name. We see that Jesus had uh, fully God, fully man. He had authority over, over evil. Right? He was casting out demons. He had authority over illness and disease. He was, he was healing people. He had authority over the Scripture. This is a new teaching. Right? And now we're seeing that He has authority over creation, over nature. And, and so, again, we're, this is where we at just in chapter 4. But Jesus cared because he got up. So if you have that question, does he care? Yes, he does. Because he says what? Peace be still. 
Peace be still. He stopped the wind and the sea. He stopped it. He muzzled it. Any of y'all have dogs where you have to muzzle them when you got to go take them to the vet because they get a little cra crazy, right? I've had one of those before. You got to have to muzzle them because you don't know what they're going to do at the vet when you get there. Um, but it, it, that word, when he, when he says peace, be still, it means to muzzle. He muzzled the wind and the sea. They had to, the wind and sea had to submit to God. This is nothing that's not been in Scripture before. In Psalm 89, verse 9, it says, You rule the raging of the sea when its waves rise, and you still, uh, you still them. Nahum, uh, chapter 1, verse 4, it says, He rebukes the sea and makes it dry. He dries up all the rivers. Psalm 107, verse 29 says, He made the storm be still, and the waves of the sea were hushed. Colossians chapter 1, verse 16 says, For by him all things were created, and heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions, or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. Right? Jesus created. Now, that, that's, that, people think Jesus just walked on the scene 2,000 years ago. He's always existed. Okay? He's, if you read the Old Testament, he's in the Old Testament. Okay? He stood outside of creation with the Holy Spirit and the Father. He's, you know, that's why John starts his, his, uh, his gospel the way that he does. But Jesus is going to hit them with these questions now. He said to them in verse 40, let's deal with the first question. Why are you so afraid? That word actually means timid, and it's implying your faithlessness. So it's implying that you've got no faith. You're timid with your faith. Why are you so afraid? I can tell you right now, there are so many people afraid right now. They're dealing with anxiety. They're dealing with, uh, the, are we going to go back and mask again? Uh, you know, are they going to mandate us, everybody, to get the shot? What's going to happen? And it's like, I don't care. Okay? I have Christ. Those things. I can turn the news off. You know what the great thing about the phone is? You can, you can turn it off. You can take a break from it. You don't have to watch the news. Lord knows I don't need to see Mayor Ron Nuremberg anymore. Because me and him ever crossed paths. We're gonna, we got, I got words. Because I don't like, the politi I don't like politi politics. Just be honest with people. Tell people what's going on. Okay? We, uh, honesty is a, would be an awesome thing to have nowadays but we don't see it we see deception and that's that's all the enemy but many people have allowed the things that are happening in the world and they're afraid you're fearful you're timid you need to be boldly stepping out now is the time because jesus is returning soon how many of y'all knew that the UAE signed and, and put an embassy in Israel? Everything's lining up for Jesus' return. There's a lot going on. A lot going on. It, you know, at the end of the day, y'all need to wake up because, you know, these are not the things you need to be afraid of. You need to be boldly sharing Christ with people. You need to bold, be boldly standing up and saying, you know what, I'm not afraid of that. I'm going to go ahead and do what I need to do. 
So many people are, are just frozen in fear. That's why I had put that thing up about the chumming of the water. Because that's what, when you start to doubt, and you're struggling with doubt and, and fear, what you're basically doing is when we go fishing, we like throwing blood in the water and fish guts and stuff so we can catch fish. But what does that do? That also attracts sharks. Right? But when you start putting fear and doubt and you're not trusting what's in your heart, does Jesus care about me? He does. But if you're thinking he doesn't, you start letting temptation and doubt hit here and fear hit here. And basically what you're doing is you're chumming the water up for the enemy to come after you. That's what's happening. You, you got to know who the Lord is. You got to be able to stand firm in that. It's, it's very important for us, especially in these days that we're in. We're in the last days. And then he says, are you, are, 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 why are you so afraid? Why are you fearful? Are you struggling with something today? Joshua chapter 1 verse 9 says, Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous? Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. If you're afraid of something, this is your verse. You need to read this every day. You need to read this every day. The Lord... My God is with me wherever I go. I, I don't got nothing to worry about. I, I'm going to get through this. And if, you're, if you start 30 minutes later getting scared again, read it again. See, we have God's promises. We have the scripture that reminds us of his provision that he's going to take care of us. Isaiah chapter 43 verse 1 says, But now, thus says the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. If you belong to him, there's nothing this world can do to you. Okay? You'll die here. Not unless you're taken up in the rapture. But you'll die here. But guess what? You have eternal life in, in heaven. You're with the Lord. You, you have eternity with God. The second question is, have you still no faith? Why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? And it's funny how fear and faith cause when, you, when you're struggling in your fear, you're going to struggle in your faith. See, my faith is in Jesus. In Romans chapter 5, verse 8, it says, But God shows His love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In Acts chapter 16, verse 31, And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. In John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. My faith is not in my pastor, my other church. My faith is not in the church. Okay? My faith is not in my wife. My faith is in Christ. And it is a personal relationship. You, it's not your mom and dad's faith. So you don't piggyback and go, well, mom and grandma used to love Jesus. Jesus will let me in. No, he won't. You're going to be judged for your sin. You don't choose to follow Christ here. You will be judged for your sin. Why do I say that over and over? Because guess what? We're in the last days. I don't want you to walk out of here thinking you're going to make it to heaven. That your good's going to outweigh your bad. Because that's not how it works. That's not what scripture says. 
There's only one way, and that's through Jesus Christ. He says, I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So my faith is not in faith. You ask people what their faith is, they can't explain it. You need to be able to explain it. You need to be able to explain what you believe in and whom you believe in as a believer. you got to be able to answer that question. Not your pastor. You. It's your faith. Who are you trusting in? I'm going to give you some, some, here's some answers to help you. Who are you trusting in? Jesus. Right? Where do I find my confidence in who I believe in? Jesus. Who's the object of my faith? Jesus. Right? That's where my faith rests is in Christ. Have you still no faith? 2 Corinthians 5 verse 7 says, For we walk by faith, not by sight. Faith is something that we possess. That's the noun uh, form of it. But faith is also a verb. You have to exercise your faith. You, you, you just can't stand still in your faith. Because you're not moving. You have to walk by, you, you walk by, by faith, not by sight. You have to take that step of faith. This is what God's calling me to do. The Apostle Paul it says it beautifully in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 11 and 12. It says, For which I was appointed a preacher and an apostle and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do, but I am not ashamed, for I know whom I believed. And I am convinced that he is able to guard until the day uh, what has been entrusted to me. Paul's like, I know who I believe in. Right? 2 Corinthians, and, and Paul, you can't, you look at his life, you go, well, did Paul go through any trials or suffering or, or storms? Yeah. 2 Corinthians, verse 11, verse 24 through 27, listen to this. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews 40 lashes and less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Oh, that's fun, right? Once I was stoned, not that type. Okay, he was actually hit with rocks. <laughs> Every time I read that scripture, I'm sorry. Uh, three times I was shipwrecked. He was actually shipwrecked a night and a day and was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys and dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my own people, dangers from the Gentiles, danger in the city, dangers in the wilderness, danger at sea, and danger from false brothers in toil and hardship through many of sleepless nights and hunger and thirst and often without food and cold and exposure. Who's this confidence in? Jesus. He went through all of that and where was this confidence? Jesus. And the apostles were fearful and, and they lacked the confidence of understanding who Jesus was. Good thing was is they knew who to go to. They woke him up, right? Fear happens, and, and, and one of the things that you see with that is Jesus is actually answering the question with a question. Why are you so afraid? How does you have little faith, right? He's answering the question with a question. If we focus on the problem and fear, we cannot see God's control in it, and we're not trusting him. Don't, don't allow it to freeze your faith. The last part is the disciples question each other. 
And they were filled, filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? So this is the fourth question, right? <laughs> so get this because what does it says? They were filled with great, what? Fear. They went from being afraid and, and being fearful to another type of fear, right? And, 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 and then they, they start questioning each other. Who is this? What did we just see, right? That's what they're, they're looking at. In Matthew chapter 8, verse 27, And the men marveled, saying, What sort of man is this that even winds and sea obey him? The disciples were amazed at his lordship over creation. Right? And, and, and yet, Jesus is, is there as all of this is happening. and they, He was in the boat the whole time. Right? He's, he... One of the things I, I, I struggle with is, is when you're going through that trial, you're going through that suffering or that tribulation or that storm, it's designed to give you a bigger view of who God is. It's designed for you to go to who? Sometimes you got to go wake up and say, hey, Jesus, I need you. Okay? And you call out. Trust me, we, when our, our daughter and them got sick, we had two of them went to the hospital with pneumonia. And, and so we're, let's pray. And, and I know my wife, was, all this is happening over the last four or five weeks. And, and we were just like, we just kept going in prayer, kept going back to the Lord. We need to keep praying. We need to keep asking for healing. We need to keep, and that's what we were doing when Sarah and them, and they, we would just keep praying. Let's keep praying. You know, it's like, who do you go to when the storm happens? Who do you go to when the trial happens? It's, it's understanding like who you're going to is God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit that resides in you. Right? And so when we have that, um, <laughs> you know, here, here they were scared of the wind and the sea, and then they're now they're afraid of the person in the boat. <laughs> right? They're freaking out because the boat, they think it's going to capsize. Now they're freaking out because, oh my Lord, what's in the boat? He just told the wind and the sea to stop and it stopped. It's a fear, it's a reverence. And it's, I love Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7. Y'all know the verse. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. That's where we start the fear of the Lord. It's a reverence for who God is. You're created by God. You're, you're created by God and, and formed in the womb. Psalm 33, verse 8 says, Let all the earth, the Lord, let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. And I love what David Guzik says. David Guzik says this, Observe that in the span of a few moments, the disciples saw both the complete humanity of Jesus and his tired sleep and his fullness of his deity. They saw Jesus for who he is, truly man, truly God. Truly man, truly God. I'm going to read this, this poem for you. We're going to end here. And it's uh, from Pastor Ken Graves from Calvary Chapel, Bangor, Maine. He actually wrote the poem about these verses in, in the book of Mark. And it's called uh, Still More. Still More. And I, I won't have that booming voice that Ken does. Ken, Ken does it by memory now. And when he does it, it's, it's beautiful to hear him hear him read it but let me read it to you we really thought we knew him 
We answered his call and we followed. A mismatched band of men we were sailing off into tomorrow. I never knew a man to work so hard and spend himself like him. And at last I saw him finally lay down while his old light was growing dim. The darkness came as it did. The wind that lake became a beast that howled and roared and reached for us. Thirteen mortals for its feast. And I believed, now seemed a lie, and nothing made sense. Waves of terror washed over my soul. Each one even more intense, I fell my way to the back of the boat, to where I had seen him lay. So human was he, that he, his fatigue, despite those pounding waves, he slept like a man unaware that there was any reason to fear, like one who knew just where he was going and what he was doing here. The one angry thought broke through my fear as my panic reached its peak. It erupted out of the hostile question I could not help but speak. We're going to die, I cried out loud to the one who would lead us there. You said, let us go over, but we're going under. How is it that you do not care? At first he said nothing, but seemed to be struggling with a mind not fully awakened. Straight from his dream into our nightmare, yet he was a little, not, not, not a little, least bit shaken. Oh, he stood upon suddenly and steadied himself. With one hand, he held the, held the ropes. Like holding the reins of a stallion, he rode the rising and falling boat. One hand on the ropes, one hand in the air. As we cowered along the sides, he confronted the beast that caused us to cower so frightened and terrified. The words he spoke were not a request. They were not a victim's plea. His words were not louder than the howl of the wind or roar of Galilee. But his words carried power, undeniable power. Even the force of the wind had to flee. Mightier than the thunder of the great waters, mightier than the breakers of the sea. He spoke to the wind like a dog. He commanded and muzzled its jaw and fled with his tail tucked between its legs. We huddled in silence and awe. Everything was quiet upon hearing those words, the water, the earth, and the sky. Nothing more silent and speechless than we, who we just witnessed with our eyes. The man who took lordship over nature, for whom nature immediately complied, now turned his gaze upon his little men, just beginning to slowly arise. Why are you afraid? He asked. How is it that you have no faith? We have no answer to give then. Looking back, we can only say that we were afraid of what was against us because we did not realize what manner of man he was that we followed and trust with our very lives. We had no answer for his questions to us, but we had many questions of our own. Someone finally spoke those words that still echo in my soul. What manner of man indeed is he? still more than I can know. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12 through 13 says this, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as, so, as though something strange was happening to you. And here's the key in verse 13. But rejoice in so far as you share Christ's suffering 
that you may also rejoice to be glad when his glory is revealed. So what are our four questions of the day, right? Our application real quick. The first question was asked to the disciples. I asked an important question that humanity asks all the time. Do you not care? Do you not understand the storm that I'm going through? Many followers struggle with that question. Many unbelievers do as well. I can tell you that Jesus is with you and He does care, but you have to believe it here. It's not something that... Now, it doesn't mean that you're going to have to call somebody and say, hey, I need prayer because I'm, 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 I'm struggling. My feet are getting a little unsteady in my faith. And man, that person can sow into you and the Holy Spirit can use them and... Very important. We cling to who? Christ. We cling to Christ in the middle of the storm. Second question, why are you so afraid? Uh, so many people are struggling with fear today. I have eternal security. My ship is burning already. Okay? I have eternal security. It helps if we put the fear of God in reverence. That means we fear God over everything else. We care more about what God wants than what the people want, right? And put God first. Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, For God gave us a spirit, a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Joshua chapter 1, 9, Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not be frightened, do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Question three. Have you still no faith? Object of my faith? Jesus. My trust? Jesus. My confidence is in Jesus. Faith is a verb. Get up and get moving. You walk by faith, not by sight. Okay? Fourth question. The disciples asked each other, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Do you not think that God is in control today? If you read the Bible, you read and study the book of Daniel, you see the things that are happening in the book of Ezekiel, all those are prophecies. The book of Revelation, we're moving towards a one world order. That's where, because Jesus is going to return. And you want to make sure you're part of the, the departure party. When the, when the pre-tribulation, when, the, when that happens, you want to be gone. You don't want to be here after that. But at the end of the day, a lot of people and a lot of Christians are struggling with whether or not God's in control today. Let me tell you, when they ask Jesus, well, how will we know that your return is going to happen? He tells them in Matthew chapter 24, verses 6 and 8. And this is very important because when you ask that question, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Do you not think he is in control of the White House? That he is in control of the Congress and the Senate and all the, all the stuff that's happening in the world? God is in control. Matthew chapter 24, verses 6 and 8. It says, you will hear rumors, you will hear wars and rumors of wars. So that you are not alarmed what's happening in Afghanistan. Okay, for this must take place, but the end is not yet. For the nations will rise against nations, kingdoms against kingdom. 
and there will be famines and earthquakes. Yesterday, Haiti? Yep, Haiti? Yep. Scripture's happening. In various places, and all of these are but the beginning of birthing pains. That's just the beginning of it. That's all that is. And as, as the return of Christ comes sooner, the birthing pains will get more intense. Can we say that we're more intense right now? Yeah. We see things happening at a rapid pace. So what I want to do is close out in prayer. But at the same time, I want to give you a chance because if you have not chosen to follow Christ, if we can all just close our eyes and, and uh, if you're watching online and you've chosen, you're, you're struggling with whether or not what my faith is in or you're struggling with who is Christ, I want you to be able to, to answer that question. It tells us that, that we uh, simply must repent of our sin. Now, um, I can think of my sin that when I was six years old, I was, I was lying at six. You know, I was already a sinner. Nobody taught me how to do it. it was, I was born with it. Uh, but at the end of the day, what we do is we, we have to make the choice to follow Christ. It took me 39 years to make that choice. And, and we, we just come to a place of repentance. We ask Jesus uh, to come into our heart. And uh, we simply uh, believe in his, uh, his power and his resurrection, that he died and rose. And uh, Jesus comes into your heart and makes residence in your heart. And, and that's as simple as it gets. And so uh, what I'm going to do is this between you and the Lord. You can pray this prayer. Uh, online or, or either with me uh, and let's go ahead and close our eyes and we'll close out in prayer uh, just pray after me father god i come before you i am a sinner i repent of my sins i believe that you died and was resurrected that you came and 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 took my sins upon the cross I ask you to come into my heart. I believe in my heart and ask you to be Lord of my life. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Be my Lord and Savior. And I ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Father God, we thank you so much for today. We thank you for this word. We pray as we ponder those four questions throughout the day, throughout the week, that we would be able to answer that question. If we're afraid, what are we afraid of? Why? You know, uh, let us deal with that. Uh, if we're struggling in our faith, let us deal with that. Uh, if we're, we're wondering, you know, if we're in a, in a position where something's happened to a family member or something's happened, uh, maybe somebody's dealing with an addiction or somebody's dealing with uh, a son or a daughter that may be hurt or in the hospital and you're going, Lord, don't you care? I pray that you'd be able to find the answers to those questions. It's in the Bible. We have the whole story. The disciples didn't have the whole story. We have the complete story of Jesus through the Old Testament to the New Testament. And so I pray that we would be able to answer those questions, that we would understand that God is in control today, is always in control. And so we thank you, Father God. I pray for uh, just for everybody's safe travel home and, and just pray for just a blessed week. 
And we pray for our students as they head back to school this week, especially my grandson as he starts kindergarten this week. Lord, help the teacher that gets him. Uh, uh, and so we pray, just we ask for mercy already. And so we, we thank you, Father God, for all that you're doing. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. God bless y'all. If y'all need to get a hold of me, you could do that through calvarydivine.org. Calvarydivine.org. And, uh, Thank you so much. That was Pastor Michael Petit from Calvary Divine, Texas. Remember, if you need to get more information on the church, you can do that at calvarydivine.org. God bless. We would love to invite you to come out and join us for our free prayer and worship night on Sunday, September 12th at 6 p.m. at the VFW parking lot located at 211 West College Avenue in Divine, Texas. Performing that night will be Darren Miller, Jarrell, the Rise Worship Band, the Grace Worship Band, and a special message from Pastor Wade Collier all the way from Houston, Texas. In the book of Nehemiah, chapter 9, verse 5, it says, Stand up and bless the Lord your God from everlasting to everlasting. Blessed be your glorious name, which is exalted above all blessings and praise. Come join us as we stand up and worship the Lord and lift up the city of Divine, Medina County, and the state of Texas. We hope to see you there. To get more information on this event, you can go to calvarydivine.org. calvarydivine.org.